Hello and welcome to episode 94 of The Pen Addict on 5x5. The Pen Addict is a weekly show where we discuss pens, paper and the analogue tools that we love so dearly. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined by the Willy Wonka of the pen world, Mr. Brad Dowdy. Oh, that is cool. Mm. I like that. You are very much that kind of guy. Making things, collecting things, being an eccentric man about town, all that sort of stuff. Are you my Veruca? I mean, anything you want, really. Well, <laughs> I prefer to be a Charlie, but if you need me okay. to be a Veruca, then... <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting, right? Because the story... Um, I mean, I don't know how many people know this, because I don't know how far Roald Dahl books reached. But So there are a series of, of Willy Wonka books. Mm-hmm. When the last one, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head right now. They're actually called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, by the way. And, okay, yeah, right. And then the books are Charlie and the something. So, like Charlie and the Glass Elevator was the second one. And I, I, I think it might, there may have just been two. Um, but at the end of it, Charlie takes over the Chocolate Factory. Spoiler alert. Cool. Um, so that's kind of like I am your Charlie, you know. I'm slowly <laughs> getting to the point where I take over the chocolate factory. I like it. I like it. That's all all the good stuff we make. <laughs> How should I, I don't even know where to go from there. Yeah. Is this a uh, pen podcast? Should uh, we get on track? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> all right. Well, I got a good email from last week from Tim Drowdy. He, uh, he made sure to... Uh, to pronounce his last name because it's very similar to mine, uh, although spelled completely differently. In an email he sent me, he sent me a good email um, on a couple of topics that we talked about. First is the the Everyday Carry Show. So let me read a, a little bit of what he says, and uh, I thought he made some some good points. So he says, over the past couple of shows, there have been a few discussions that have spurred me to write this email. Firstly, on the EDC show, I know you touched on the fact that Panatics and EDC folks have different opinions on what EDC means, what happens when you're in both camps. And I think that's something, I mean, that's something that I can relate to, and I think probably a lot of listeners can relate to. So he says, as an EDC nut, I want a pen that I can trust will write in almost any condition. As a pen addict, I want it to be a good writing experience. That's my reason for carrying a Jetstream-filled F701. That's the Zebra pen we talk about a lot. This will get me through the tight spots in the grocery line or the garage. Sorry, Fisher, no space pins for this addict. He says, but that isn't the whole story. I don't think you will ever discover a pin addict by only what is in his or her pocket. You need a bag dump, too. You need to understand what is being carried in the pin cases, what notebook or planner is being used, and even what apps are on the guilty party's phone, tablet, or PC, and why those specific choices were made. That is where you will find the true nuances, true nuances of the pin lover. Would you rather leave the house with your Leuch term or your iPad? Which do you take to a meeting? Which do you think about more? How much ink is in your Twisby or how much battery is in your left in your iPhone? Pen addicts know the right answer. As a tech nerd, too, the answer is all of the above. I know I have issues. So I thought that was a good point, and that's something I, th- I think about, too. It's not just for the EDC side of the ledger, for the pure EDC side of the ledger, it is just about you know, the pen, I think, um, you know, is it going to, is it durable? Is it going to write in any situation? Um, you know, is it, you know, small and portable things like that. But I think on the pen addict side of the ledger where you're worrying more about the writing experience, I think the other parts come into play. Like 
well, what are you writing on? You know, what are you carrying your pen and paper in? And it's kind of this whole, I don't know, this whole area that I, I think about a lot. And, you know, I, you know, I like carrying, you know, my bag, like I have my dome paper mountain briefcase, Topo mountain briefcase that I love. And, you know, my Notco Brasstown pen case goes in that. And there's a Rhodia dot pad in there and my Hobonichi planners in there. And there's a field notes in there. And this is all the, all the junk that I carry that's like totally overkill. But you know what? If I left the house without that stuff, I'd feel naked. Do you ever get that feeling? Like if you don't carry certain things, it doesn't have to be a lot of things, but like even just like a pen and a piece of paper. If you go out, say you're just going out to the store and you don't have those things, do you ever feel like, I don't know, you left your wallet at home? You know, I feel I, I get that feeling if I don't have certain things with me to write with. Um, I don't carry a, a notebook in my pocket anymore, so I don't really have that feeling so much. I don't like really not ever having my bag with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I have my bag with me, I have all the stuff that I need. You know, right. I have my a couple of pens and I have a couple of field notes and my iPad because they go in my uh, <laughs> Rotofard and Tashing Begleiter, <laughs> right? They go yes. in there. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that. Right, and I think that's the point. Um, you know, I think that's the point that, that Tim's getting at is like for the pen at, for us pen addicts, it's not just about the pen. It's about the whole shooting match, right? I mean, if we're if we care that much about the pens that we carry, we're not just carrying any old junky paper to write on. You know, we've thought about the paper that we're going to write on, and then we've thought about maybe the pen case that we're going to put our pens in, and then maybe about the bag that we're going to carry all this stuff in that we've been suckered into buying. You know, by this dang show, you bunch of enablers. <laughs> <laughs> So Tim went up, Tim's second part of the email, which is what I really wanted to um, get into, and I thought he made a good point. It was about when we uh, we talked about the um, how to carry pens in the cold weather. Yeah, we got quite a bit eight. of feedback about this and the airplane, actually. Maybe we should talk about planes after this. Yeah, yeah. So we got a, some feedback on that. When we were, The question was, the Twitter question was, and I forget who asked this last week, but um, was, how do you carry your pens and inks in cold weather and both of us said don't (laughs) so we got some we got some flack for that so let me read what tim said he said secondly i wanted to call you out on last week's comment about cold weather carries i live in canada if the only answer to the question about how to manage pens and inks in cold weather is don't then i may as well start looking for the pencil addicts podcast because i would only have the use of my pens for about eight months a year he says believe me i know cold i also carry fountain pens last week i received a new bottle of j herbon pearl noir via mail it was negative 25 degrees fahrenheit no problems carry your pens in your inside coat pocket request inks be held for pickup vendors know vendors that know how to deal with cold weather will take a little out of the bottle and still include it in a separate vial so that there is room for expansion yes u.s vendors too i feel that the issue of how to handle pens in cold weather is no more stressful than whether you should use a converter instead of a cartridge. Neither things are a problem if you're smart about it. You wouldn't leave a can of soda in your car overnight when it's freezing. Why would ink be any different? So that's the common sense aspect of it that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. 
It says, I don't want to leave the impression that living in the Canadian prairies is akin to living at the North Pole. I know what negative 40 feels like in the winter, and I know what 100 degrees feels like in the summer. I enjoy my pens in both. We have heaters and air conditioners. So he said, sorry for rambling. Thanks for keeping the podcast awesome. Keep it up. So, yeah, I mean, he's got a point there, you know, and and uh, I, I definitely, you know, that's probably a lack of experience on my part and and maybe your part too, to where we really haven't had to deal with like super extremes. Um, yes, it gets cold here, but not like wicked cold like he's getting in Canada and things like that. So common sense plays a lot into it. And, um, you know, Tim does go through a few extra steps to ensure that uh, all his pens and inks are taken care of. And, and I definitely appreciate that feedback to get some perspective from uh, someone who actually has to deal with it instead of uh, me who is uh, wearing flip-flops as we do this podcast. <laughs> Should we talk about planes very quickly in the same sort of idea? Yeah. Um, so we kind of mentioned never take your pens on a plane and mm-hmm. a few people got in touch and they're like, I'm fine, you know. Basically, they're... At different pressures, fountain pens can react peculiarly. Your your mileage may vary on that one. Mm -hmm. I think is maybe the best way of sort of putting that. Sure. You know. Yeah. I would advise some variance. Yeah, I would advise don't because the one time that it happens is so much is so much more of an effect than the thousand time that it doesn't thousands of times it doesn't happen to you. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah. Yeah, I think the key, the few, the few um, tips that we got were to definitely keep them in an upright position at all times, um, and and I've always heard to keep the if you're using you know a converter or even I guess it would go for a cartridge too is to ensure that the ink is full so there's not I don't know so there's not a lot of room for it to expand into other areas but I don't know I don't I don't have enough I'm not a, a frequent flyer enough to. Uh, be willing to test out all these theories but people uh, most people seem to not have too too much of a problem with it and flying with um i think the one email we got um, the person was flying with like five or six fountain pens loaded up at once and say no problems at all so so that's good i just you know but yeah what, what you said is exactly right it's for me it's the one time that it explodes and makes a mess is not worth, you know, the 10 other times where I can control, control it by not doing that. Yep. So, all right, we got some, uh, some new products releasing and in our show notes, um, I was a little, um, I guess explicit (laughs) in my description of what I felt about this. But um, for for those playing at home, we're going to go with bleeping Twisby and their bleeping prototype pictures. Um, I didn't write bleeping in the no, he didn't. <laughs> <show notes. laughs> but I and I use bleeping in the kindest way possible because it's awesome what they do, um, what Twisby does. But man, they're such a tease. It, it's a tease. It's like why even follow their Facebook page because all they do is tease. So they put out this uh, – they got in a run last week after not posting anything for weeks where they posted several new products on their Facebook page. So one of them, the first one that I wanted to show – talk about, Mike, is the Twisby – they're calling it the PPO36 Precision Fountain Pen. Um, and we'll have all these links in the show notes 
uh, 5x5.tv slash pin addict slash 94. Did I get it? Yeah, you got it. Yes. Good man. I never think about that before I say it, and I always hope I say it right. Um, so, and if not, you can just go to Twisby's Facebook page and you'll see them. They're plastered all over it. This pin looks fantastic. Sorta. Um, it's, I'm guessing it's a, uh, it's an aluminum barrel pin. Um, the design looks great. It looks like a, a hexagonal barrel. The design looks awesome. With the cap posted, it looks kind of ridiculous. Um, it's really large. Um, but it, it looks like the cap also threads on the back of the pin, which is a problem with, you know, aluminum, with metal barrel pins, right? You, it's hard to get a good feel when you're just sliding on a metal barrel cap, posting a metal barrel cap on the back of a pin. It, it's not necessarily flush. Um, so this one looks like it has a threaded cap on the back end of the pin for posting, which looks great. It just looks like it makes it gigantic. It makes, looks like it makes a really huge pin. Um, but it's it's really good looking. I mean, they've done a good job, but you know, it's like, do you even bother talking about this if it's not even gonna exist? Yeah. And that's my challenge with the <laughs> Twist Beast Fountain Pen page and why I use the uh the colorful colorful language. Um, because it's like this tease of this product and it's like it may never see the light of day or it might be two years down the line, which a lot of the times it does. But you know, I do appreciate the fact that they're sharing. And sharing their ideas and getting some feedback. And I'm sure that's a good resource for them on Facebook to kind of go through these things, right? Um, what, do yeah. you, what do you think about them showing off like prototype pictures? Just, hey, look what we did. We may not ever make this, but what do you think? I guess it's kind of like the the new cars where they you know make the prototype cars, right, that never go to market. But they're using it to learn about new manufacturing technology and things like that. I have no problem with them doing it as long as it's clear what it is I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. So, like, car yeah. manufacturers say, blah, blah, prototype or right. concept, you know, and I'm cool with that. Like, it's not an issue as long as I know that that's what it is. If mm -hmm. I don't know, then I kind of get a bit frustrated. I'm like, are you releasing it? You're not, you know? Give me an yeah. idea here. Yeah, and actually on that one, it, it's really not clear. I don't think um, the the PP036. I don't know that they're they are super clear. Is this just a prototype? Um, I mean, Twisby does say it's a piston filler. Don't know the price yet, so that makes me think that hey, we're gonna make this pen, right? Yeah, that seems like super. You know, like they're so gonna do it, pretty, but it also doesn't yeah. look real, right? This one, so it looks like right. it's been done in like CAD. Like it's like a computer-aided mm -hmm. design. It's just yes. software. So, yeah, that might come out, but it might be 18 months away. Right, right. So it's cool. I definitely appreciate Twisby, you know, putting this stuff out there. I Believe me, I'm not dogging them at all. But it's when they load up their page like they did yesterday with all these new things that you don't know whether they're real or not. You just kind of get your hopes up, and then they're kind of dashed when it's just a, just maybe a prototype. So this other one... Um, they call it the IROC, I-R-O-C. So that obviously stands for something like Republic of China. Right. So I think the way this one is going to be is a limited edition like the pen that you and I enjoy so much, the the 540 ROC. Yeah. Um, which was, you know, just a, is a basic 540 plastic barrel. I think this one's going to be 
I, there's an article on Fountain Pen Geeks where they they dug through the comments and found a little more. I think this is going to be like a really high-end pen. So I'm, I don't know what the material construction is, and it might even have a gold nib. I know it's gold-colored on this picture, but I think it actually might be a gold nib because they were talking about on Fountain Pen Geeks that the price of this pen is going to be like $350. So this is going to be like a top-end um, Twisby, uh, you know, something really high-end that they're exploring, I guess. I mean, I'm I, if, again, is this really going to exist? I I'm guessing so, but I don't know for sure. But it's cool to look at. I, I mean, this isn't a pen for me. I, I don't necessarily like the aesthetics. If it was solid black, I'd like it. It's got kind of a floral pattern on here, which they've done exceptionally nice. Um, I just don't, you know, it's not something I'd necessarily spend $350 on. No, that one's not for me. Um, and then the last one. This next one. Boy. The yeah. closest to coming to real, and it's really sweet. And it's going to be the 580 with the aluminum piston that we talked about um, a few weeks back where they posted the colored aluminum um, Twisby 580s. This one, the picture they just showed is the clear one with the silver aluminum. Um, it's got an aluminum section and aluminum uh, piston filling mechanism. It looks awesome. It I looks hope really they, sharp. I hope they release the color ones at this at the same time. But they I do say it's, they're, they're thinking about calling it the 580AL. That that's what they were asking for, sort of advice on what what people thought. But they did say it's going to cost sixty dollars. Yeah, that's great. That's an awesome price. I'm really excited about that one. I am too. So that Stub will be nib uh, in the in the image as well. Yep, yep. So that will be uh, pretty much a day one purchase for me. You know, whenever that 100%. one comes out, I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. Like I still haven't bought the classic yet. I just haven't been in a rush to get that one. I didn't think it was. I mean, it looks great, and I will definitely own one. I just. Haven't been in a rush to get this one. This one I'll oh. go ahead and, and get because I use the 580 so much, and this looks like a sweet upgrade. So I've looked at the bottom of the post. They're mm-hmm. going to go with 580 AL, and it will be within out within two months. Great. So there you go. Great, great, great. So hopefully um, we'll see if they do the um, with the colors um, at like – um, that like they pictured you know a few weeks ago where they had uh, what red blue orange green and purple, which they all looked really good. Really orange, good. one the orange. Yes, 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 yes. So anyway, um, I guess my point of bringing all this up is uh, browse Tim Twisby's Facebook timeline at your own risk. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you're yeah. gonna see some stuff on there that's really awesome, but it may not ever come to fruition, and then However, some of it it's gonna. There's no point in saying this because every time they do it, we talk about it on the show. So They do a really good job of design, I know. Yeah. You might as well just go and follow it anyway because we always talk about it, so you can't (laughs) avoid it. I know. It's like, hey, check out all this cool stuff, but ignore it. That's not really fair, is it? (laughs) We're just as bad, actually. I know. I know. I'm totally guilty. I know. That's why why I wrote it in the show notes as I did is because... uh, it's I say I'm frustrated, but it's 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 faux frustration, right? I'm just I'm not frustrated at them. I think it's great what they're doing. And uh, I just think it's funny because they they do do they do post a lot of things that, you know, may not ever exist and get us all uh, get us all hyped up because you and I are both fans of the product. And when you enjoy a product as much as uh, as what Twisby does, you get excited when they post out new stuff like that. So mm-hmm. anyway. That's cool. Definitely go check out those pictures if you haven't already seen it. I know a lot of you um, have been posting them on, on Twitter and getting me to look at them and things like that. So I know a lot of you are aware of that page, but uh, check it out if you're interested. Now, something else cool happened this weekend was the LA Pen Show, which is 
I think between someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I think between the LA pin show and the Washington DC pin show, I think those are considered the two big pin shows in the U S every year. So like all the big heavy hitters go to these are don't miss those two shows because they're so large and uh, so popular. So, um, one of the uh, people I follow on um, Instagram, her name is uh, Castle Jim. She's very nice. She sent me some actually, actually sent me some uh, Ackerman ink samples um, in the past. So I follow her Twitter feed, and I saw over the weekend these pictures from the LA Pen Show start po- start popping up. And she ended up having about I don't know twenty twenty five pictures in her feed. So for anyone who hasn't been to a pen show or at least a large pen show, she did a great job of capturing you know, kind of like the feel of the room, all the different vendors there, all the different products there. And then she took pictures of a lot of people we talk about on the show, like Brian and Lisa Anderson. There's a picture there. Mike Masayama, she's got a pic- great picture of Mike in there and, and on and on. So if you're ever wondering about a pin show and haven't been to one or wondering about, you know, some of the people that I talk about and have met before, she's got some excellent, excellent pin- pictures. So we'll we'll have that link in the show notes. So make sure you check out her page. Um, did you get a chance to look at any of that, Mike? I'm just looking now. Yeah, it looks like it was a real busy, uh, real busy room when she was there. So it looks, it looks quite packed and quite full. Oh, and, uh, Brian Gray from Edison pens. He's got a picture in there. So she did good, did a good job. And it looks like, uh, you know, at one point there's a, she's got a picture of a line out the door to get into the room, I guess in the morning. So it looks like it was a pretty popular show. I'll have to listen to Brian and Lisa's uh, podcast this week to see what they thought about the uh, the crowd and the business level at the uh, at the LA Pen Show this week. So if anyone else went, I got uh, I did get a couple emails from another couple other people that went. I saw saw a bunch of tweets and a bunch of uh, pictures on Instagram. Let me know. Um, let me know what your experience was like at the uh, at the pin show. Shoot me an email or get in touch. I'd love to hear it because uh, I'm getting anxious for the Atlanta pin show in April, and this uh, this doesn't help when I see all this cool stuff like this happening. And I'm not there. I want to be there, Mike. Me too. Well, I really <laughs> want to be there. I'll be in LA, man. That's cool. I know uh, our friend uh, Keegan from One Star Leather. He went. He sent me an email. Get this. So yeah. Keegan went. He said, oh, I tried out these, I got to try out a Nakaya, got to try out the Sailor, the Black Luster that you that you bought recently. I tried out this, I tried out that. I didn't buy anything. Mm. <laughs> I gave him you? some grief. I was Why like, how is that go? even possible? <sighs> so, Keegan, I'm calling you out on Come that. On. In, Come in on, public. Keegan. I replied back to him. I was like, what? You You went and you didn't buy anything? So... Uh, I gave him some grief, so y'all give Keegan some grief if you uh, if you talk to him. He went to the, and he needs a bumper sticker. As I, I went to the L.A. Pen Show and didn't buy anything, something like that. A t-shirt. I yeah. Went to the L.A. Pen Show and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> so bad job by you, Keegan. Crazy. Yep, crazy, crazy. All right, I got a um, kind of a. Sh- short maybe interesting slash ranty topic i want to talk about this week so uh why don't you talk about our uh our fine friends at squarespace man if there's one thing i love it's it's a ranty topic (laughs) 
Very good at those. I enjoy those. So I want to take a moment to thank our friends over at Squarespace for bringing this episode to you. Squarespace, they are the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO2. Brad, are you still there? You probably muted yourself to take take a quick drink. Yep. I want to talk to you this week. About okay. Squarespace, if that's okay. And I didn't tell you that I was going to do this because people have heard me talk about how Squarespace were always updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. How they have beautiful templates that you can get started with. It's all drag and drop. They have 70 dedicated employees on their customer care team. They have mobile, responsive web design all built into all of their templates. You can do loads of stuff. But I want to talk about e commerce because I was talking about this on Command Space this week with, with Brett Tepster and he kind of mentioned it, and I said that you'd spoken, um, you know, me and you had spoken about this. People have heard it on, on the the show in the past, but you're going to use Squarespace Commerce for Notco, right? Right. Yeah, and I actually listened to the, that episode with you and Brett last night, so I did hear you talk about that. So you're going to go ahead and use, when, when, it, when the time comes to open a store, you're going to use Squarespace Commerce. Why did you decide to go with Squarespace Commerce? Well, basically, it it seemed the simplest with the most tools available, I guess, if you will. It had everything that we needed, that I felt we needed to build the shop. Um, you know, it's got, it had inventory management. It's had, you know, uh, different ways of presenting the products with the, with multiple products. And, you know, for something like us, where we're having to choose different colors and different sizes, it's all just it seemed really easy to put together. Um, and then even since we've chosen to go with that, they've added on additional things like having more shipping integration and having more accounting inf- integration, which is all stuff that I don't have experience with. So having them kind of lead the way and point me to the right tools I need to you know, to set this shop up and have it be successful and you know not cause me headaches on the back end really. Um, and that's what it's mostly about. I think all of the front end stuff, you know, obviously looks great. And that's probably the things you see the least as a consumer, but for someone who's actually using it, all the back end tools that you have, I think that's what, that's kind of what set it apart for me in looking or in shopping around and trying to pick and choose which, uh, e-commerce, e-commerce platform we're going to go with. Thanks for that, buddy. Sure. Squarespace Commerce, as Brad said, it's, it's, the, it's the system that you can plug right into any Squarespace site um, to allow you to natively and easily sell physical or digital goods. A great new thing about Squarespace Commerce is it's now available to everybody um, across all plans. It used to be only on their business plan. Now, if you want to set up a, sh- a shop and sell things in just minutes, you can do that on any Squarespace plan. As I said earlier, you can try out Squarespace for free. There's no credit card required to do so. Now, if you decide to sign up, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a year or more. Make sure that you get 10% off and support the show by using the offer code TALLYHO2. And just one last thing. If you are an engineer or a designer, well, Squarespace are currently looking to hire 30 of you by March 15th. This means that they're going to be bringing potential candidates and their spouses to be New Yorkers for a weekend completely on them. So if you want to hang out with the crew over at Squarespace and have an opportunity to take a really awesome job, go over to beapartofit.squarespace.com. 
Thanks so much to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and The Pen Addict. Thanks for helping out there, buddy. Uh, Sorry to drop that on you. Yeah, you dropped that on me out of the blue. That was uh, that was unplanned, but uh, I was ready for it because, um, you know, they make it easy. So, and actually, you know, we'll do this again here in a couple months once we actually do go live, and I'll have more time to, uh, you know, dig into the nuts and bolts. <coughs> me and Stephen were playing the, uh, around of with the Commerce platform. Huh? Yeah, me and Stephen were playing around with it. Like he had a bunch of prompt stickers that he wanted to sell, so he set mm-hmm. up a store last night, which was open for a few hours until we ran out, and cool. uh, it was so easy. Yeah, we got like an email every time anybody sold one, and the email had all of the information that you needed, so you mm-hmm. could write like we could basically create the shipping information, the labels and stuff. Um, and it would do things like you you put in the we put in the amount of stock that we had, the inventory, right? And it would like email you alerts as we were running down, mm-hmm. be like, oh, you only have three of these left, you know. Just right. So you yeah, know. that's that's important for us. Where it's not, yeah. we're not we're not selling a digital good that has you know infinite infinite uh purchases available you know we're selling pin cases that there might only be 50 of and you know you need to track those things so yeah we're we're excited about it getting it getting it going and it's like super easy to restrict countries because obviously you know to keep the cost down uh, Mm -hmm. we were only shipping to the us and the uk because i had a few here too right so we're able to just from like a list just select the countries that we wanted and then you don't end up losing out on you know somebody from out of mongolia wants a right. sticker and then we're paying like $20 and you've just blown all of the money from the rest of the stickers. Right, yeah. right. So, yeah, I, I really look forward to getting uh, getting that going for uh, um, more reasons than just testing out the Squarespace commerce platform. Good stuff. Yeah. So I want to touch on the uh, the pin blog of the week real quick before this is really uh, I cool. get into my... Yeah. I, I like are, that are you, doing this. this. This site is called Blystift. No, I just meant that we're doing this. This site is cool, but I just think it's cool that we keep doing this. I think it's nice. I do too. We've got we've done it uh, two or three times, and uh, we've gotten really good feedback on it. I'm I'm real happy with uh, being able to uh, spread the love around, if you will. But um, Blystift is uh, um, a gentleman named Matthias. Um, And do do you know what Blystift means, Mike? Um, German for lead pen. Lead pen, yeah. So I actually had to look <laughs> that up. I, Wait, I cheated. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's German for Rotorfaden Taschenbegleiter. <laughs> but no, I back when uh, when I first stumbled across the blog, I did have to look it up. I was like, "What does this mean?" So I knew a long time ago. It essentially means it's German for pencil, um, essentially. And Matthias does a great job of really digging into different pen pencil reviews. Um, and recently, he got. What made me want to point it out this week, and I always feature him in Inklings because he does such a great job, and he always tells me thanks every week. I put him in there. He always sends me a comment. He's like, oh, thank you so much for putting in the link. He seems like a really nice guy. But there's this project that Pelican um, started. I don't know exactly when it started. You'll have to read about it in Matthias's post, but it's called the Pelican Wanderlust project and they're basically sending this box of Pelican products around the world, and he was one of the ones to receive it. So he goes through what all is contained in the box and, you know, he does like a ink review that, that ink comes with it and he's supposed to do certain things, you know, testing the inks, writing letters and things like that. So definitely y'all check this out and not just for this post, but for all of his posts that he does. Um, he, uh, he, he does some really great photography, does um, some really interesting posts about pencils and finding, you know, different pencils and hard to find pencils and things like that. And, um, 
like a lot of the guys that do um, the the pencil blogs. Every time I read them, I always want to get more into pencil. So, I, I you know that's on my list. The the who knows maybe list, <laughs> but I, I find it fascinating to read about. So, uh, thank you, uh, Matthias and Blystift for being awesome. And uh, that's the that's I call it the pen blog of the week, but this time it's a pencil blog of the week. So uh, definitely check him out. All right, Mike. You ready? Ready. So I've been using a phrase that I need to stop using because it kind of annoys, I annoy myself when I say it, but I've been saying it for the past few weeks. I caught myself saying it on the last podcast, I think. I've been saying, have pens been solved? Like, has this certain type of pen been solved? Is there any more? Is the answer always the same when someone asks for a recommendation or what's a good pen or, or you know, different different things like that. So I got to thinking, are there certain pens that have been solved? You know, what my frustration is not so much have pens been solved, but where is the innovation at as far as gel ink pens and ballpoint pens and rollerball pens? You know, is there, are there new products coming out that, I'm not seeing, are there new products coming out that aren't new products at all, but repackaged? Um, and are my expectations too high that I should see all this change? Um, am I jaded in the state of the general pen industry? Um, so, you know, I just wanted to talk about a few different, few different pens and a few different pen categories and just kind of discuss it with you and kind of get your thoughts too on, you know, what are we done innovating with like gel ink pens, for example, right? I mean, for people who aren't in necessarily into the pen attic podcast and the blog, I'm kind of not talking about all of us, right? I'm not necessarily talking about me and you who where, you know, we know, if there's a certain need that we have, we can probably go find it. But I'm more talking about the everyday user, the office user, just, you know, teachers, you know, doctors, whoever using pens, going to the store and buying pens. Are they just getting stuck in whatever, you know, marketing that Pilot's throwing out there, right? For like the Pilot G2. Pilot markets it as America's number one selling gel pen. So I can't remember a store shelf that didn't have a Pilot G2 on it. And it's been the same Pilot G2 for a decade. I mean, the exact same pen. So does Pilot have any incentive to change that? And should I care? You know, am I, am I barking up the wrong tree here wanting to see Pilot mix things up a little bit and come out with something new? Am I asking for too much? Um, knowing that I can go somewhere else like a jet pens or any other Japanese importer and get something much cooler, much better than that. Um, I don't know. Am I, am I barking up the wrong tree here, Mike? Am I even, is this even a topic worth discussing? Am I just, or am I just going to end up frustrating myself? I don't know, man. I, f I feel like it is just a root of frustration. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't think to say that something's ever going to be solved, I don't think is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, because you never know what's going to come next. And I think we've spoken before about, like I've said this a couple of times, like how I always feel like I find the perfect pen for now, but I don't ever stop looking because no right. pen is, I said this a couple of weeks ago, right? I said, no pen is the perfect pen for me. Right. Because there's, I know that there can always be a better X about it. Right. And I think that's where my frustration lies is number one. Yeah. I, I want to stop saying have pens been solved because I don't think so. And it's kind of a stupid statement, but I find myself saying it over and over again. So I thought if I get it out, maybe I can stop, <laughs> stop, stop myself from saying it. Cause it's kind of a stupid phrase, but it's frustrating when you go into a store and it's the same thing and it hasn't changed for 10 years. I mean, it really hasn't. I mean, so it, tell, it but the way that I see it though, that it's just a totally different market. Like, yeah, those pens are sold to different people. Those pens are sold to people that wouldn't buy our pens, and our pens are sold to people, um, and we wouldn't buy the pens that are sold to regular people. Right. If that makes right. sense. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we talk about you know what pens are available on the store shelf, and I think that's a totally valid uh, topic. And because I want people who are new to the podcast to at least you know think about the pen that they're buying, they can actually make a, a good decision. Even you know just going to Staples or Office Max, there's some good choices in there. But that never changes, I guess, is what I'm saying. You know, like if I send if I'm sending someone to Staples who hasn't ever tried out a pen, it's always I'm always going to tell them they want to if they want a gelling pen, I'm always going to tell them to try the Uniball Sino 207. That's my favorite gelling pen that they can find from a store shelf and then that conversation's over. Right? But I don't know, they and you know, maybe that's good for what they're looking for and you know, that's all they need and and um, you know, that they can explore from there to see if they wanted something else or not, but um you know that that answer hasn't changed in years and I don't know if I'm just being silly and and wanting that answer to change, I guess is is what it boils down to. I don't know, wanting something new in, in that aspect, in that in that gel pen shelf. You know, what what can be new? That's why you know I get excited over silly pens like the Pilot Juice, which is essentially a G two, but it's got archival ink properties, which the G two, the regular G two doesn't have, and it's got cool colors, which the regular G two doesn't have. Um, so you know, and it's a pen that costs a dollar sixty or whatever it is. So th- those kind of things excite me. But then when it doesn't translate to the public, I don't know. I get a little frustrated. But I shouldn't, I guess. Is I don't know. This is this is like a, a, a psychiatry session for me. I'm, I'm laying on the couch, Mike. Yeah, I feel <laughs> I feel like that's the way. I mean, what ideally though? What do you want, like? Do you want people to, like, the the average user, the average person, we talk about this a lot in the technology world, do you want them to be using these sorts of pens? Like, what you know, what is... The G2 is, is really good, you know? Yeah. No, I do want them to be using these pens. And uh, I guess the, uh, my, my goal would to be for them to discover that there's more out there, but that's kind of a a pipe dream, but, and, you know, these things in the stores are kind of the gateway to that, you know, 
it's better than the generics that they're getting at the office that are just, you know, no name brands, you know, stepping up to a G2 or a 207 or a Pentel Intergel, you know, that's way better than any stock pen you're going to get in an office and then finding those things. And I think my frustration is that's the end for most people. They're done. We're done. Got my G2. We're good. And that's like barely scratching the surface from my perspective, but I don't know. Like I said, maybe it's just a pipe dream of mine. I need to be the pen ambassador or something. And yeah. like, I need a, I need a TV commercial. Hi, I'm Brad and I'm the pen ambassador. Let me tell you about the pilot juice. <laughs> I think, do you know what though? I think part of the problem, if we look at something like the pilot juice is where, where do a lot of the best pens that we buy come from? Yeah, I mean, I know. They're, I mean, they're all Japanese. Like, companies don't, am I, am I potentially not taking a risk on consumers. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe people would want to use a, I don't know, Sakura Pigma Micron if they were available in the stores for them to buy. Yeah. Yeah, you know? I know, I know. And, you know, it just... I see, I don't know what shows I was watching, but Papermate, of all people, has been running this Inkjoy commercial here in the U.S., and I've seen it over the past month on various channels. And I'm like, oh, man, that's such a horrible pen. And all the marketing dollars they're putting behind this pen is just like, oh, you got to be kidding me with this mess. So I, I don't know. But, I mean, ball, ballpoint pens are the, are the prime example. Uh, ballpoint pens are done. I mean, if you're not using the jet stream or the acroball i mean there's nothing else that can really hold a candle to it there's good pins and there's pins that people will enjoy and use every day they're not as good as the jet stream or the acroball those hybrid inks are way better than any ballpoint so what's the point of even going to the store and looking for a ballpoint pen is it, kind of my struggle i don't know i guess i don't want to say i'm getting i'm not getting bored with like the standard gel rollerball ballpoint pens, but I don't know. I just want to be able to, I want to be able to see Uniball come out with a new product that I can champion. And that hasn't happened for ever. Does that make sense? They're just not a brand that you want, that you should be paying any attention to really. I guess they don't do what you want. I know. I just want it to be. I just want more people to get into this uh, this great hobby of ours and and find cool stuff like we do, and you know, get enjoyment out of like when we first found when we discovered like the retro fifty one. I mean, it really knocked our socks off. I mean, for lots of good reasons, and I don't know. I want people to be able to discover these things too, and um. There's n- there not a lot of opportunities for them to do that. Unless they're as weird as we are and search for pins on the internet, <laughs> which actually a lot of people still do. Yeah. And I think I think that's part of my transition into fountain pens a little bit. Um, you know, I'll write more and more about fountain pens and less and less about traditional pens. Um, one because there's not as much change in the traditional gel rollerball ballpoint pens and fountain pens there's almost infinite possibilities right between not just brands but between 
combinations you can do with nibs and inks and things like that. It's like fountain fountain pens are are the Lego of the pen world. I mean, you can do so many things. You can create your own pen that's perfect for Brad or perfect for Mike. And I think that's kind of the enjoyment I get with fountain pens. Um, it's not just the writing experience. It's the customization aspect. So I don't know if fountain pens are actually spoiling me because of that. And I get frustrated, you know, when I have to, when I'm reviewing, you know, just another ballpoint pen that's not going to hold a candle to, you know, a jet stream or something like that. What's why should I talk about just another ballpoint pen? I guess. So I don't know. Just some thoughts I wanted to throw out there. No, and I, I it's interesting to think about. Yeah, and you know, I've been trying to think about you know from a reviewer's aspect I'm able to you know take a ballpoint pen that I get from jet pens or something and it's good that I can review any pen and compare it to any other pen I've ever used you know I think that's one of the advantages of you know pen blogs you know is someone like myself or anyone else Ed or Anna or anyone who's been doing it for any length of time you know they have kind of a knowledge base where they can take a new pen that they get and say it's like this other pen it does this better than this other pen it does this better than worse than this other pen and you kind of get that knowledge base built around it but at some point it all becomes the same thing at some point the gel pen's the gel pen and this gel pen doesn't write as good as the Sino 207 so don't bother I feel that I'm getting to that point now with basic pens um you know if i review a ballpoint pen from you know manufacturer x and it's just average there's not a lot to say about it anymore i guess it's an average pen you probably shouldn't buy it buy this and that has become more frequent i guess is what i'm getting at if a pen doesn't live up to the standards of the top pens in their category, it doesn't exist. I don't know. I is an I think it's an expectation thing on my my part, and in, and a lack of innovation. And I'm not really frustrated by it. I mean, I enjoy reviewing like every single pen I get. They're all different, and you know, they're all good and bad in their own ways. And I like being able to. Sh- I'd really like being able to share that information. You know, I like saying that you should buy this pen or you shouldn't buy this pen, or here's, and here's why. Um, I enjoy that aspect of it, but the challenges are when every pen is the same now, and there's not a lot of change. And I think maybe it's just me a little bit, getting a little jaded or antsy about... I want that next big thing, and maybe there isn't a next big thing. Maybe I just need to enjoy more of what we already have kind of thing. It's a very harmonious way to end that. Yeah. Enjoy what we have, Brad. I know, because what we have is good. You better and believe it. Maybe, Yeah, and maybe I shouldn't be frustrated by all the good things that we have. Um, because believe me, I want to champion good pens and um there's a lot of there's a lot of good pens out there 
There is something kind of cool about being part of a little club, though. It is. Oh, believe me, I totally enjoy that part of it. But, you know, a lot of, I think this comes from kind of the fountain pen angle. Now that I'm getting more into that, when I thought I would never get into it, period. Um, and people ask a lot all the times why fountain pens instead of, you know, just, you know, a regular gel pen or whatever. And, you know, it's it's always been kind of hard to put into words why. But I really think it's that that whole customization thing and and just the the change. Like, I can have one pen and unlimited bottles of ink and I could change it every day if I felt like it. You know, it's kind of cool to be able to do that. And you can't necessarily do that with a gel ink pen unless you buy all the different colors or whatever. But I don't know. I'm getting into rambly state. I think it's I think it's more of a it's not you, it's me <laughs> kind of thing that I've been feeling here recently. And so maybe I maybe I should just uh enjoy more what I have and embrace embrace the mass market pen. Embrace it. That's right. O- welcome it with open arms. All right. Spread the word. <laughs> I think we've come to the end of this I, week's episode. Yeah. Would you I, agree? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I could keep rambling, but I don't think I'll say anything new. <laughs> if you want to catch the show notes for today's episode, go to 5x5.tv slash penaddict slash 94. If you'd like to catch up with Brad online, he is at Dowdyism, D-O-W-D-Y-I-S-M. He's also uh, writes over at penaddict.com. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Pen Addict Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.